Good morning, River City. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's good to see everybody here this morning. My name is Antramika Knight, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you here to River City this Sunday. It was family Sunday for us. So if you're a guest, that means that we have breakfast downstairs in the table, which is our second space. It's an opportunity before service to connect, love on one another, continue to build community. Um, it's a way of living in love and creating space. Um, here at River City, as we start service, we read from the lectionary. And that is our way of connecting to the global church. Um, the lectionary is a series of readings. There is something every day um, from Old and New Testament. Um, it's a great way if you're looking for a devotional, if you're just wanting to find something to read and you don't know what to where to go in the Bible, um, it's online. It's, the website is www.lectionarypage.net. You can also talk to any one of the staff members or myself about it. Um, today's is Psalm 27, and it starts with verse 1 and then skips to verse 4, and it's very encouraging, and it also moves us back to the beginning of prayer month when we talked about just being with Jesus. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he shall... For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry out loud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you have been made, been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. If we can bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we thank you for River City this Sunday, those who are in our community, those who are visiting. We treasure each individual who you have known since the womb, Father God. Lord, we thank you that you are merciful, that you are loving. We thank you that we seek your face, Father God. Thank you that you do not turn away from us. We pray, Father God, that we value the time in which we can be with you, Father God. Thank you for prayer, which is such an intimate language between you and I, Father God. Thank you, Father God, for Smyrna, for the surrounding communities. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
There was a line in the song today that said, our God reigns over everything. And then someone spoke out and talked even deeper of how God has authority over this earth. And the word says that we are his children. That we are his children, so that means in our identity in Christ, that we have power. That these prayers mean something. They're not passive, this is us co-laboring with God. And this is the gift that we get to be with the Father. And so we pray for the Universal Church and its members and its mission. We pray for churches in Smyrna and surrounding areas, for the Square Church and Vintage and Stonebridge and Riverstone. Lord, just reshape us so that in faith and generosity, we look like you. And Lord, we are so privileged this morning. We come in nice clothes and in a beautiful sanctuary and there are so many people worshiping today in very different places. Lord, we lift up those who are worshiping in hospitals and rehab centers and prisons this morning, Lord, and shelters, Lord, your name is still lifted high. Lord, we pray for the comfort of the Sudan congregation who weeks after their church was built, was burned to the ground. Lord, comfort them. Give them the comfort that we take for granted. And Lord, give us the passion to follow you, no matter the cost. God, we pray for the Nigerian pastor who was beheaded this week, whose last words defiantly witnessed to his captors and said that in every season that one might find himself, he is still in the hand of God. God, your children, we need to see you. And so Lord, we pray for his family and his community and his congregation that they are strengthened. Lord, we pray for the hearts of every person here today in churches all over, that this isn't just a passive thing that we've done on our Sundays and we, we check it off the list. Lord, that you will begin a work of transformation. Lord, that you, you Jesus, who with the Father and the Spirit are one, that you would make us one. Lord, hear our prayer. For the world and all those in it, we pray for everyone affected by the coronavirus, both directly and indirectly. We lift up the sick and ask for your healing. We lift up the doctors around the globe fighting to keep the sick protected while simultaneously working to find answers and remedies. We pray for the families of the over 30 people who have died and the other thousands upon thousands affected by the earthquake in Turkey. We pray that you would provide a safe haven for them and protect them from the future aftershocks. We continue to pray for ongoing fires in Australia 
We pray that you would continue to comfort those who have lost homes and family members. We pray for all those living in the midst of and experiencing political unrest in Iran, Lebanon, India, Syria, within our own borders. We pray for sanctification. We pray for unity and differing beliefs. And ultimately, we pray for compassion for one another. And we pray for all the world leaders attending the 75th anniversary celebrations of the liberation of Auschwitz. We pray that those leaders allow space to listen to one another, to learn from our mistakes, and to move forward with love and compassion for our brother and our sister. Lord, hear our prayer. restaurants and coffee shops for the business owners and medical professionals may your love grace and unity abound for each family each father and mother and child for each kid in foster care for those abused neglected and unseen would you heal restore and reveal yourself to them for our schools and each student teacher and staff member for our seniors and widows for those incarcerated for our police officers, firefighters, and first responders, would you protect, support, and surround them all? For those struggling with mental or physical issues, for those on the street, for the loved ones of those who have died by suicide, and those struggling with suicidal thoughts, bring healing, hope, and support. For our mayor, city council, and all those involved in political decisions, give wisdom and guidance and for your church body across Smyrna, for Square Church, First Methodist, Cumberland Church, and all the others, would we be united as your hands and feet, revealing your glory, showering your love, and communing with our neighbors. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. of this local community and all those who suffer in it. For those who suffer in silence, longing for breakthrough, bring peace and hope. For those who long to hear your voice amongst the deafening noise of the world around them, let your whisper pierce through and drown out the storm. For those who feel alone and long to be known, bring friendship and community. For those whose value seems weathered away by rejection and loss, Reveal your heart and desire. For those who are weary and whose hearts are heavy laden, bring rest and renewal from your wings. For those who are sick, bring newness and healing as only your creator hands can bring. For those wrestling with the burden of religion, replace it with the yoke of Christ, which is easy and personal. And for those outside the circle, to find a seat waiting for them at our table. For the prayers of the children of RCC, Lord, 
pray for my mom because she is sad. Please bring her comfort. Lord, I am thankful that you are my Savior and that you protect and love everyone. Lord, I pray for the people and the animals of Australia who are damaged by the fire. Lord, I pray for the homeless people, that they would get homes and that you would provide for them friends and food. God, I thank you that you've helped me through a lot of things, through baseball and soccer and school. You're always with me. Lord, I pray for Owen's grandma because she has cancer. Please heal her and comfort her. Lord, I pray for my granddad to become a Christian and know you. Lord, may you be swift to answer them and remind us of their depth and value. Lord, hear our prayer. And when we are faithless, you are still faithful. So, Lord, we love you for that. And we thank you. We worship you, Lord. We ask your presence would continue to, to flow down and that heaven would come closer in this place. So, Jesus, we exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody present. You take your deep breath in. Just hold it there for a long time. <laughs> let it out. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So uh, we've been in this uh, month of prayer um, for the last month. So this is the last week that we're, we're in this focus. And we've been walking through uh, three big points from uh, John Mark Comer and practicingtheway.org. And these are the three points. Number one, be with Jesus. Number two, be like Je become like Jesus. Number three, do what Jesus did. And so this has been a really a focus on this first point. How do we be with Jesus? And so the, the, originally, this message was going to be more about how do you, how, like intercession, like prayer in terms of how do we pray for our world? And I'm going to touch on that a little bit. But I think one of the things that I went more deeply into is... Can we turn this down a little bit? Sorry. Um, is how do we become like Jesus, or how do we be with Jesus in a world that's very different and changing? And how, for me, I, I often hear be with Jesus, and, it, and I think that it silos me off, and I have to go and like be in my secret place. And as that's one of the reasons I'm with Sherry. Like Evangelicals are really hard, right? Even though I am one, I think. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out is that it feels like, oh, I have to be with Jesus, and then I go and do what Jesus did in the world, when in actuality, the world offers us so many be with Jesus moments. 
There are so many opportunities. And if we're siloing off our Be With Jesus time and not interacting with the world, and those things don't, those don't overlap, then that becomes really troublesome because we spend most of our time in the world, right? Most of our time is not spent in quiet times. Most of our time is spent doing our jobs and looking at Facebook, right? <laughs> right. So being with Jesus is much more complicated than it ever has been. So we're not holding ourselves up. So I want to kind of walk in that gray space of what does it mean to be with Jesus in a world that's very complex. So I want to start by reading uh, Genesis chapter 11, um, verses 1 through 9. We're also going to read Jeremiah 29 today. But this is a passage I think that is very applicable for today. So that you guys will know this story. It's the Tower of Babel. It says this, Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone, and they used tar for mortar. And those verses are really important, and we'll touch that in a second. They said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the whole face of the earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. So one of the things that we often skip over in this passage is that those verses that said what, how, there was a new advancement in terms of the way that, that, that humanity was building and they were using brick. They were using tar and mortar. So they were, they, this is one of the first times we see in manuscripts where we have people actually creating very blocks-shaped items that you can mix, mix tar and that you put it together and you can actually build up. So there's a new advancement in what? Technology. Technology, Technology has brought them to a place where now we can make a name for ourselves. And this is something that is very applicable today, isn't it? There are plenty of new advancements in technology that are changing the way that of what it looks like to be with God. And I'll show you this video to kind of get to the point of what I'm trying to say. Google, what is glossophobia? Glossophobia, or speech anxiety, is the fear of public speaking. Courageously. 
Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> Our young people, this is how they operate, right? Anybody remember 15 years ago, if you wanted to ask a girl out, what did you do? You, you don't know what to do. You just, you, you just screw it up. That's what you do. <laughs> and then you end up like us, right? <laughs> this has completely transformed the way that we operate in our world. We think these are things that maybe even 15 years ago, we would have thought we would have had these things and these moments in life, and we have not many options. We turn to people around us to ask the questions, or we turn to God. Like, God has to be at some point part of this journey. And so, I've been thinking about this and thinking, wow, like, I've got to invite Jesus into these moments, because Google can replace him. (laughs) He really can. And this is how, and, and we're never going to be in a world where this isn't, this isn't the normal. So we have to train people, right? We have to train ourselves, first off, and model the type of behavior that we say, being with Jesus is possible. Asking him about these things, right? If, I can't imagine what a Google search about how to ask a girl out tells you in Google. <laughs> there are probably so many pickup lines, right? <laughs> the, these things, and these are, people, our young people are going there before they go anywhere else. And this is just the world we live in. So we have to now learn how to navigate this new world. It's not that we're trying to insulate ourselves away from it, but we have to navigate it differently. And so I want to go through, uh, use the relationship between Jerusalem and Babylon today uh, in Jeremiah 29 to talk about how this relationship and how the Israelites were living in a world that was very different from their own. And it's a type of what uh, the writers of this book, Faith for Exiles, of which Josh mentioned last week. This is a great book. And he, in this book, they call it Digital Babylon. And it, there's, a, there's a difference, though, is that Digital Babylon is a place that has no location. We are in a new world in which it's very complex, it's very different, it's very fast, and it has no boundaries. It just exists. And this is, this is, this is different from anything we've ever known. And this is the, the Israelites were familiar with this type of world, and God gives them a message in the midst of this world because the Israelites were living in a world where everything was centered around the temple. It was all centered around God. If you, had a, if you needed something, it filtered through your faith. And they were exiled into this new world, Babylon, that was extremely complex. It was built on paganism, and there were really no rules. It was much more open source. There was a sort of anarchy in terms of the way that you can perceive the things around you. And I've got a slide here, and I think it gets to what I'm trying to say. Jerusalem has faith at the center. Babylon has faith that's in the margins. For Jerusalem, they were monotheistic. Babylon was pluralistic. Jerusalem, there was a slower pace to life, accelerated and frenetic. And that doesn't that explain our lives? Very fast-moving. 
Jerusalem is, the idol is false piety, right? Like Jesus talks about this, like don't stand on the corner and, and, and pray loudly, like people will think that you're holy. If you do that now, people think you're crazy. So the idol is fitting in, being up to speed. In Jerusalem, life is bitter, simple, simple, is a simple form of life, but in Babylon, things are bitter, and there's a sweet tension to that bitterness. You see, these are a very different world that we live in. And I'll give you, and I have another slide that I'd like to show you. Josh mentioned this last week. So this is uh, statistics showing the amount of time that 15 to 23-year-olds spend in terms of screen media is the big green block. And the, uh, the yellow and the red are the amount of time they spend in spiritual content. So, and this is, this is annually. So there's 2,700 hours-ish on a screen annually. And this is, comes out to about seven and a half hours a day that we're, our, our young people are inundated with their screens. And so, you know, the question becomes, how, what do we do with that? Do we, do we try to enlarge the orange and the green boxes, right? Do we try to add additional spiritual content? Reality, though, is that we're never going to be able to compete with that. At no point are we going to be spending seven and a half to eight hours a day on spiritual content, right? Nobody, that's just not possible. So the question is not how do we be with Jesus in a silo, but how do we be with Jesus in that big green box, right? So that's, one, that's what I want to get at today. This is a, a quote. I felt like it was applicable um, with Martin Luther King a day this week. So this is from him. How, how much of our modern life can be summarized in that arresting dictum of the poet Thoreau? Improved means to an unimproved end. We have allowed our technology to outdistance our theology. And for this reason, we find ourselves caught up with many problems. MLK noticed this well over 50 years ago, and it's definitely increased. So we have to learn how to navigate that big green box how do we be with Jesus while we are being with the world and not being with Jesus away from the world, but being with Jesus in the world? And I think we have, if we reframe and reorient the way we see our world, we might find that there's actually countless opportunities to be with Jesus. Our world is filled with opportunities. You scroll through your Facebook feed with opportunities to be with Jesus. We we are the most connected generation that the world has ever known, but we are also the most isolated. And studies are showing that this generation, the more you're connected to social media, the more isolated and lonely you feel. Okay, So we've got to figure out how to look at these things and not isolate ourselves away, but instead enter into a relationship with Christ. And I think that that's possible. I think it was possible for the Israelites in Babylon. I think it's possible in digital Babylon. So, I'd like to start here in Jeremiah 29, and this is a message given to the Israelites as they're in Babylon, and we're going to, I didn't tell you this, Bill, but I'm going to kind of chop it up a little bit, so we're going to read a couple verses and I'll talk. Um, we're going to start in verse 4. So, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers 
of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. And we'll pause there. So you'll notice some of the things he says here. Build houses, plant gardens, eat their produce. He's saying build families. What, what, what he's trying to get at is you're not leaving Babylon. Now, what would have been the common understanding by a lot of the prophets would have been, we're getting out. We're going to be leaving, right? There would have been some sense of a resistance movement of we, we, have, we have a chance that we're going to be able to go. But Jeremiah is saying the complete opposite of that. He's saying, you need to settle into life here. You aren't going anywhere. And I think that this is, we, are, we, we have transitioned as a society. I mean, I think I hear people often say, if we could just return to the Garden of Eden, we're not going to the Garden of Eden. That's not, that's not the trajectory of the Bible. The Bible ends in a city. It's very different from what it was, right? And actually, for the first time in human history, we, there are more people living in urban settings than there are in rural settings. This has just happened in the last 10 years. So we have, there's actually 51% of people living now in urban areas than there are in rural areas. So we are, as a society, and that's not changing. We're moving more toward a city-centered focus in the way that we interact with our society. So we're moving differently. And people often will often say, if we could just return to the early church. The, the early church did not have answers for this stuff. Paul did not have a rectangle in his pocket that told him everything about the world. Okay, so we're not returning to the early church. They, offer, they certainly offer, offer principles and practices of ways that we can navigate our society, but life is very different now. So we have to settle into this new world. We have to settle into a life that's very different. So let's keep going. Verse 7. So now he's going to start giving them some practices, some actions. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. So let's pause there. He is saying, seek the welfare and pray for Babylon. You, some of you really attuned to your scriptures may remember in Psalm 122, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is the opposite of that. He's saying, you are Jerusalem. I want you to pray for your captors. Like you're praying for those who are oppressing you. So this is, this is what have been very disorienting and very different from what would have been normal. And this is, this is a movement, I think, for God, not just for the Israelites, but for all of humanity, where God's now saying, this isn't really about you as much as it is about the ones beyond you. It's like, it's like looking through a pair of binoculars and turning it around and looking through them the other, opposite way, right? It's very disorienting. But this is the new way that, that life is now meant to be lived, that this life is meant for the other. And so that word welfare means shalom. Shalom means health, peace with God and others, safety, wealth, tranquility, quiet, contentment. These are the things that we are called to pray for our world. These are the things that we hope for. And actually in seeking that, we would find our own. Let's keep going. Verses 8 and verses 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. 
These would have been the people who would say, we are going to be liberated. We're going to get out. And this is not the message of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's message would have probably sounded more like propaganda from the empire than it would have a message of a prophet. So settle into life here. Verses 10 and 11. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. And cue the graduation music. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope, right? This is actually, it's funny, I went into this thinking, man, people use this for graduations. That's, that's I don't know how I feel about that. And I was like, man, this is so applicable for graduates. <laughs> because, I mean, this is, you know, the studies show that, like, people are dropping out of church once they get into college. It's very, it's very normal. And this is very applicable because they are, they're entering into a, a form of Babylon, and they have to know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And what I think it's saying is, God is present with us in exile. One day it will be easier, and God knows what he's doing. This isn't, this isn't a surprise to God at all. Verses 12 and 14 to 14. Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. This new world is extremely dangerous. It's extremely different. It, entering in can, especially for our young people, can cause a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions in Babylon. There's a lot of unknowns because it's so pluralistic. It's so open sourced. It's, it's, there are so many, there's so many answers to one question. And so how do we navigate a world where we believe that there is an answer, that there is an absolute truth, that it's not just relative. This is a very risky move by God. But the point of it, and I think it hits in, this, in these few verses, is that he's, he's willing to make this risky move if it means you go, if you come into relationship with him. There are opportunities now to be in relationship with him. He says, seek me with all your heart. See, these things can even as a graduate, coming in to a new world where you don't have the, the, the help of your parents any longer. There's this opportunity to trust Jesus, to be with him. The problem is that we often don't teach our kids how to be with him in the midst of those things. Instead, they are, we insulate them until they're completely shocked. And so how do we navigate that? These are, these are questions that we have to be able to answer. And so we're, we have to rely on God, and not rely on Google, not rely that these things are going to answer the questions for us, but that Jesus has answers. And so I, I, I think that there's a few ways that we respond to life in Babylon. Number one is that we insulate ourselves and our kids from the complexity. I want to read you this quote. We try to keep 
our young disciples insulated. We helicopter parent them. We imagine that safety and security are kingdom values. We want them to change the world around them, but only at a reasonable distance. We like the idea of countercultural mission, but in practice here in exile, it's kind of terrifying. Living faithfully in Jerusalem when everything is neat and predictable is a different animal from faithfulness in Babylon. Too many of our ministry efforts prepare people for a world that doesn't exist, undercutting our witness and passing flimsy faith to the next generation, because honestly, we are scared. We want, I think that one approach is to to insulate, and we try to essentially recreate Jerusalem within Babylon, and I just, I don't think that's what God is calling us to. His, his, His instructions, at least to the, to the Israelites in, in Babylon here is to infiltrate society, to be a part, and to navigate it in that capacity, not to insulate ourselves away. It's not to say that quiet times aren't important. They are. But they're, on, they're only important by the means by which they get you into your world to be with Jesus in those spaces. So we insulate ourselves. I think number two, and this one's real scary, I think, which is very much happening is that we blend Jesus into the complexity. That instead of allowing Jesus to be separate and holy and different, we allow Jesus to just be another thing on a shelf. That Jesus doesn't actually offer answers is the idea that we promote. And there's something that they say in this book. It says, keep Christianity weird. There There are elements of this faith that are very strange. Prayer is one of them. We cannot lose that. There are, this alone is strange. Like we're all singing to Jesus, right? He's, he's present here, but not present here. Like these are the things that we believe and we have to maintain that strangeness. We have to maintain the strangeness that when we see someone who is sick, that we actually believe that they can be healed, that these things are actually possible and that you have a faith that can move mountains, that is a reality for us, and we cannot let that go. And I think the third option, which today is what I would like to offer us, is that we learn to navigate the complexity, that we would be in the world, but not of the world, as Jesus has told us, that we live counter-cultural. So what I'd like to do is offer... Um, this is going to be different for maybe a normal closing for me. I'll have to offer 10 different things that I would, and if you're a note taker, this would be the time I would take some notes. Um, I'd like to offer 10 different practicals for how to live in exile. And I'm going to run through these quickly. Number one, I would take courage. This is, this is what Jesus says in John 16. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. You see, God is with us here in exile. Take courage. He will finish what he started in you, and he will finish what he started in your kids. Number two, don't put safety first. The world is very dangerous, but safety is not a kingdom value. Being with Jesus in this world is not safe. And millennials, one of the most common reasons they say that they drop out of church, they say, my church was overprotective 
and kept me insulated from the real world. We cannot do that. The ones who are making it through Babylon are the ones who can apply their faith to their real life. That big green box has got to have Jesus in it, and we can't separate him out. So put, don't put safety first. Number three, prepare for difficult conversations. In a world that is extremely morally relative, there is absolute truth, and that's okay. And we've, one of the things that this young generation is very good at is listening and considering the views of others. Okay, so that's great. But it's also very difficult because it opens a huge door, and that's okay too. It opens a door, and we need the generations to come together, and that's what this place is for. So be prepared for difficult conversations. Number four, and this is going to be the dicey one, but I'm going to go there. Embody a godly sexual ethic. And we're going to talk about this because this is one of the things in our culture that our young people are clueless on, right? Google has the answers to them. And if our churches don't acknowledge this, then we are going to be completely irrelevant. So you're going to hear me say things that I didn't actually say or assume I'm saying things that I'm not actually saying. And I'm going to just walk on in the gray of that. But we cannot let ourselves and others dictate sexuality. Sexuality is dictated by God. Now, you may say, okay, well, but what God dictates may be different for each of you. I'm not walking in that. I just want you to know that God dictates sexuality. And he's, he's the determiner. And, and that's as important as his family Sunday. Like youth, you need to know that. Go to Jesus before you go to Google about your sexuality. Please, please do that. It's not for you to decide. It's not for, for your friends to decide. It's not for Google to decide. God determines. Number five, love beyond divisions. There are a ton of divisions in Babylon because it's extremely complex racially, religiously, culturally, politically, economically, the list goes on. The youngest generation has a great gift of love, and exiles have to love. Build bridges. Number six, slow down. Babylon is fast and frenetic, and we have got to be a people that is slow. It, Babylon steals away our precious time for vain and frivolous things, so use the practices, rest, Sabbath, solitude, slow down. Number seven, go to God before Google. Babylon is going to raise a lot of questions that it already has. Let those questions lead you to be with Jesus. Number eight, engage with social media differently. Your news, has anybody ever found the bottom of your Facebook newsfeed? <laughs> Nobody? It never ends. Have some self-control. That's part of it too. Like we can't just let we can't just like let marketers determine our lives. And pray. As you are entering, you're sitting there scrolling constantly, right? Pray the things. There's opportunities. Like Jesus is not in like 98% of the things on your newsfeed. Pray that he would be there. Number nine, pray the news. There is a 24-7 news cycle and constant opportunities to ask Jesus to be in present in those things. 
Number 10, we have to repent. We have to repent for insulating ourselves and our kids, for blending Jesus into our culture. And we have to acknowledge that we need Jesus. We need him. We need him to be present in every facet of our lives. And if we do these things, we might be able to survive Babylon, but thrive here. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have never left us nor forsaken us. That just as we sing oceans today, God, that the, the waves of Babylon are extremely large. It seems like a sea that will never end. It is confusing as we raise our kids, as we navigate our personal lives, our vocations. But God, we know that you are present there. God, do not let us be too scared to go to you. Let our faith be filled. Let us do things that we never thought we'd do and help us to slow down, to be present with you and invite you into those spaces of our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.